All right, guys, so this month we've been working through a new series called Church Without Limits, and it's a vision series, which means we're expanding upon our vision of pursuing limitless life in Jesus, because I believe that there's untapped potential sitting inside of every person in this room, and every person that's going to be listening to this message online. You see, God wants to do a big thing in your life, and not just in your life, but he wants to do a big thing through your life. And you're right, if we're just talking about you, or if we're just talking about me, there's some major limitations on what we can do on our own. Can anybody agree with me there? How many of you guys have found yourself at the end of yourself? Yeah. But when we realize that Jesus is doing this with us, it changes everything. You see, our mission at No Limits is what? Pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And why are we doing this? So our lives can impact the world. So let's take a look at our core scripture here at No Limits. I love this, Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I want to highlight three different parts of this verse. I love this, his mighty power at work within us, because that tells me it's a partnership. And our job is like really, really simple. We just have to allow his mighty power to work in us. Second part, accomplish. And I love this word because accomplish means what? That something actually gets done. This isn't a maybe it'll happen. This is a sure deal. Whenever we let God's power work in us, he's going to accomplish things. Third part, infinitely more because how much is he going to accomplish? It's infinite. We don't even have the ability to ask or even think what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives when we yield to his power. All right, so today is part three of Church Without Limits. So let's do a recap of one and two. So in the first week, we talked about five limits that we need to take off. The first one, fear of failure. Because if we're afraid to fail, that means we're trying to do things in our own power. Instead, we need to yield to God's power. And if things go wrong, and they probably will because we make mistakes, don't see it as a failure. Just pick up, learn from it, and move on. Number two, assuming others' thoughts and intentions. Because guess what? When we try to guess what's going on through somebody else's mind, we usually assume the worst which drives a wedge between us and the other person. And the reason this is a problem is because God wants to use other people to accomplish things in your life, and he wants to use you to accomplish things in other people's lives. Number three was comparing your life with others, because when we get stuck in the comparison trap, we find ourselves trying to live somebody else's life. And guess what? God can only accomplish infinitely more in your life when you're living your life. Number four, living in regret, because when we live in regret... Get this, we're letting the power of our past control our life instead of the power of God. You're not doing God a favor by walking around feeling sorry about yourself. Instead, we just need to leave that sin and regret behind because that's what God wants us to do. All right, number five was a limited experience of God's love because actually all limitations are going to point back to this one thing. Because when we fully understand God's love, we no longer have to prove ourselves to others. We don't waste time in regret, and we don't walk around in fear. All limits can be overcome simply by understanding God's love. So I encouraged everyone two weeks ago to invest time understanding God's love by reading the scriptures, praying, and quieting your mind before the Lord. So I have to ask you, has anybody been doing that on a regular basis? Good. And it's not too late to start if you're like, oh, yeah, I remember you telling me that, Gabe. I totally forgot about it. Well, start today and just keep it going. I recommend this be a daily thing until you really understand his love, no matter how long it takes. And just to give you guys an example, it took me about a year 
doing this every day before I really felt like I had somewhat of an understanding of God's love. I know the word tells us that we don't, we'll never like fully grasp it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue understanding it more and more throughout our entire lives. All right, and then in week two, Chris Wills talked about getting serious about spiritual growth. Not just reading the Bible casually, but really putting in the effort to study. You see, the, the word is often referred to as a seed. So Chris explained how we have to prepare the ground and we have to tend the garden, not just throw seeds around if we really want to see God's power work in our lives. So this week, we're going to continue on this discussion by expanding upon one of our core values. We take God at his word. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul warns Timothy about people who act religious but reject God's power. Here are a few phrases that he uses to explain these type of people. They love only themselves and their money. They are unloving and unforgiving. They love pleasure rather than loving God. In other words, they may go to church and say they're a Christian, but there's no evidence of it in their lives. They've probably heard or read the Bible, but they haven't applied it. And when examining the, Ameri- the American culture, doesn't this sound pretty familiar? It may seem like fun at the moment to say you're a Christian and live the way that you want to, but all you're really doing is rejecting God's power. To make sure Timothy doesn't get caught up in this nonsense, Paul is simply reminding him of the truth. He says, don't follow these other people. Yes, their life may look like a lot of fun right now, but it's going to end in destruction. Let's look at what Paul says to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. To see God's power work in our lives, we must adopt this mindset. All scripture is inspired by God and not just some of it, but all of it. It doesn't matter what this church says or what that church says or what grandma said growing up. We must believe that all scripture comes from God. And if we find a truth in the word that's contrary to what somebody else believes, we believe the word no matter how influential that person is in our lives. If I get up here and I say something that's contrary to the word of God, y'all better believe the word before you believe me. (laughs) And if it's contrary to our own beliefs, what do we do? We update our beliefs. Some of us aren't seeing God's power work in our lives because we're intentionally believing parts of the word, but not all of the word. It's easy to get stuck trying to make the word fit into what's comfortable for you. But when you do, all you're doing is rejecting God's power. Maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit makes you uncomfortable, so you reject that part of the word. Or maybe the idea of prosperity makes you uncomfortable, so you reject that part of the word. Yet the idea that God wants you to prosper is not only found in the Old Testament, it's found in the New Testament. It's all throughout the Bible, but you see, we just get mixed up because the word also says, don't let money have you. The thing is, though, it's not one or the other, it's both. God wants you to be prosperous without money having you. The funny thing is, you don't even have to have money for money to have you. You see how that's making sense? We do that so often in the word, we're like, the word's contradicting itself. No, they go together. So that's just one example, but churches and denominations all around the world are picking and choosing what they want to believe from the Bible. 
And if you follow suit, you're never going to pursue, you're never going to find limitless life in Jesus. You're just not going to find it. If you don't believe the whole entire word, you're not going to live limitless life in Jesus. It's that simple. So at some point, you may have questioned the Bible, right? After all, it was just written by men. But take a look at this scripture. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. Aren't you thankful for that? No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. You see, scripture was written by man, but it did not come from man. Reading the Bible is different than reading a book. Because when you read the Bible, you can be 100% certain that every part of it was inspired by God. In other words, when Paul was writing most of the New Testament, he was listening to God, and he was writing the words. Paul wasn't sitting there just trying to think of what to write. I wonder what the people need to hear, and just you know, trying to think it out. No, God was inspiring every word that he wrote. And I'm not saying that there aren't other books out there that are inspired by God, because there probably are. But the Bible should always be our constant. If it doesn't agree with the word, then we don't believe it. If it does, then great. Because we can be 100% confident that every word in the Bible was inspired by God. And you know what? When we look at the history of the Bible, it actually confirms it. So let's do that this morning. How many of you guys like history? Some of you. See, I wouldn't be raising my hand if I asked myself that question because I wasn't a history buff. And actually, that's like, I used to make straight A's all through high school, and then we got to like senior year, and then I made a D in the history class because I just didn't like history. So, but this is pretty interesting. It took 1,600 years and 40 different writers for us to get the Bible. The writers came from all walks of life. Some were fishermen, some were shepherds, others were kings or politicians. They were from three different continents and wrote in three different languages. They wrote from dungeons and temples, on beaches and on hillsides, during peacetime, during wartime. Yet their words sound like they came from the same source. So even though they wrote on hundreds of controversial subjects, they actually wrote with agreement and harmony over 1,600 years with 40 different writers. So even though I couldn't get 10 of you in this room to write on one controversial subject and all agree, somehow God did that with 40 different writers, and it all agrees. You see, throughout history, people have tried to destroy the Bible. There were kings that would order every copy of the Bible to be burned. There's countries that would outlaw the Bible. And there still are. And the church itself, thinking it was doing people a favor, attempted to keep the Bible out of the hands of ordinary people. In 1320, John Wycliffe worked to give people the Bible in a language they could understand. Because up to this point, it was in a language they couldn't understand. So they had to rely on the priests and the church leaders to read it to him. He was eventually hunted down and burned at the stake by church leaders for doing this. Shortly after the invention of the printing press, William Tyndale was the first to translate the Bible to English and have it printed. And get this, priests and bishops burned thousands of copies of his translation as a burnt offering unto the Almighty God. And then they burned William too. Despite attempts to destroy the Bible, it has now been translated into over 1,400 languages and is the most read book in the world. And get this, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1947, they found every book of the Old Testament except for Esther. And when they compared these scrolls, which were about from 70 AD, to our current Bible, it was amazingly accurate. 
with most mistakes only being spelling, spelling errors and slips of the pen. Because you see, through the years, the Bible was passed on from generation to generation by somebody copying it by hand. And this happened over and over and over. Yet somehow it made it to us all the way today, practically untouched. All of this is evidence that the Bible was inspired by God, and it was even protected by God. And it's a privilege to have the Bible in our pockets every day. Because several generations ago, most people couldn't even get their hands on one. Yet today, we take it for granted. Most Christians in America only read it casually, if they read it at all. And we like to pick out the pieces that work for us and allow us to live the way that we want to. But let's go back to the scripture we read earlier. So the all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Man, that doesn't sound like very fun. It's never fun for somebody to point out something that's wrong in your life. But thank the Lord the word's going to do that for us. <laughs> At least it can happen in the privacy of your own house, right? <laughs> it's not like a conversation with somebody. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Hmm. All this time I've been molding the Bible to fit my life? When the Bible was designed to mold my life to become who I was meant to be. Bottom line, if we want the power of God to work in our lives, we have to believe the entirety of God's word, not just bits and pieces. It has to reign as supreme truth in our lives. And guys, this isn't a bad thing, because when we believe all of God's word, you get to grab hold of some pretty amazing promises. Check this out. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God has provided his word not to get onto us, but to lead us into his promises and to give us freedom from the world's corruption. So when we read in Proverbs eleven twenty four that when we give, it's going to come back to us with increase, it's because God wants us to walk in that promise. And when we read in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans to prosper us, it's because God wants us to walk in that promise. And when we read in 3 John 1, verse 2, that health is supposed to come with prosperity, it's because God wants us to walk in that promise and be free from sickness. Every promise in the word is for you. And every correction in the word is for you. And the correction is not to put you down, but it's to lead you into the promise. Maybe you can think back to when you were a kid, somebody corrected you, and they did it to put you down. Anybody had that experience? And so we tend to take that experience into like, that's what God's trying to do in our lives. God will never put you down. He corrects you only to lead you into his promises. That's the only reason. So when you're corrected by the word, it's never a bad thing because the correction is coming from love itself. And the end result is always an amazing promise. Yet we often get deceived by the short-term benefits of following our own way. And when we do that, we might as well just throw God's promises in the trash. 
We're only fooling ourselves when we think that our way is better than what the Bible is telling us to do. We think we're doing ourselves a favor, but we're really just rejecting God's power. You see, you may be thinking, though, okay, didn't you just tell us not to live in regret? Then why are you bringing up my mistakes? I bring this before you not for you to look backwards, but to shine a light on something that you forgot was even there. So imagine yourself walking through the house at night in the dark, and there's a big hairy spider. You can't see it, though. And actually, I've done this, and I stepped on it, and it was gross. With my bare foot. But if I turned the light on for you and gave you a shoe, you would be able to spot it and smash it. This is what the Word does in our lives. It shines a light on the things that don't need to be there, and then it gives you the power that you need to smash it, get rid of it, and move on. So maybe you're having sex outside of marriage, but you know that's not God's best for your life. Or maybe you stopped giving, or you've never even started to give, yet you know that's not God's best for your life. Whatever it is, I imagine that we all have something in our lives where we've been following our own way, even though we know that the Bible has spelled out a better way. Today's not the day to feel bad about yourself. It's a day to let the Word show you what's wrong so you can start moving towards what is right. Don't look backwards. Don't get overcome with regret. Look forward and leave the sin and the regret behind you. Because Jesus has made you new, and the forgiveness is already there, and he only brings these things before you so that you can leave them behind and move in to his promises. So we talked about how all Scripture is inspired by God, and not just some of it, but all of it. And if we want God's power to work in our lives, then we must believe the entirety of God's Word, not just the things that make us comfortable. We also took a look at the history of the Bible and found out that although it was written by man, it didn't come from man. God inspired every word that was written, and he protected it over thousands of years. And when we believe that God's Word is truth, then we also believe that every promise in the Word is for us. Whether it's, the promise in, whether it's a promise in the Old Testament or the New Testament, we should take God at his word and see those promises in our life. So before we end today, let's talk about one of the most amazing promises that's in the word that a majority of Christians are leaving on the table. After Jesus was crucified and rose again on the third day, there were 40 days where he appeared to the apostles from time to time before ascending into heaven. Right before he ascended into heaven, here's what he told them in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere. Now, you'd think that the men who got to spend time with Jesus face-to-face would have all the power that they needed. But this is Jesus talking, and he told them the power would come when the Holy Spirit came upon them. If the apostles needed the power of the Holy Spirit to witness for Jesus, how much more do we need the power of the Holy Spirit to pursue limitless life in Jesus so that our lives can impact the world. So how do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at Acts 2.38. It says, Each of you must repent for your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about leaving sin and regret behind us and clinging to the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that's the first step to receiving the Holy Spirit. And you see, baptism in this scripture is not talking about water baptism. So don't get hung up on that today. It actually says, 
be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It didn't say be baptized by water. There's actually three different baptisms. The first baptism is whenever you accept Jesus as your Savior. Because you're baptized in his death, you're leaving the old man behind, and then you're raised up into new life. The second baptism is water baptism, which you guys have probably seen in church. And all that is is an illustration of what happened whenever you received Jesus. It's showing those around you what you just did, and it's reminding you of what you just did. It just gives you that visual picture of what happened. And the third baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't done this already, if you haven't baptized yourself into Jesus Christ, that first baptism, it's really easy. You can do it right where you sit. It doesn't have to be this big ordeal. You just simply say something like this, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I thank you for paying the price to save me. I commit my life to you and I leave my old way behind. And then you imagine yourself being baptized into Jesus's death. You're leaving that old man behind. That old man is dying right there with Jesus when he was in the tomb. And when you come out of the tomb and when you're raised again, you're walking in new life. So what happens after that? In Luke eleven thirteen, it says, So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The only requirement to receive the Holy Spirit is to turn to Jesus, which is what we just did. And now all we have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. Wow, it really is that simple. Like all you have to do is ask. So once we have the power of the Holy Spirit, what do we do with it? Well, in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So step three is to relate to him daily. So when you've received received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have to take time to relate to him daily. He wants fellowship with you, and he wants to be part of your life. It's time to realize that you're not going to get very far in your own strength. It took me a while to get there, because young men have this this (laughs) raging problem of thinking that they can do all things on their own. (laughs) Can any of you guys relate to that? At some point, you grow out of it, though. And the sooner you grow out of it, the sooner you get to walk in the power of God. So my prayer for myself every day is, Lord, don't... Please reveal to me whenever I'm walking in my own strength, because I know I step back into that. I want to walk in your strength. Because you see, limitless life in Jesus only comes whenever we, whenever we receive power from the Holy Spirit on a daily basis by letting the Word transform us, because we believe all of it and not just some of it, and spending time with our minds focused on Him. And that's why in my messages, I like to give you guys just that, that one or two minutes of quiet to focus your minds on him because how many of you guys have found that's a challenge to, to quiet your mind and just listen? We have busy lives, especially if you have little kids. <laughs> I never knew busy until I had little kids. But you still have to take the time to sit down and listen because when you do, not only is your life going to radically change, but it's going to impact the world in a big way. I can promise you that.